But I want to look tonight from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting at verse 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these were our examples, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither should we be idolaters, as some of them. As it was written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as they committed, and fell in one day 23,000. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. And the main text I want to focus on tonight is verse 11. Now all these things happened unto them, for example, that they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. And if you'd pray with me, Lord Jesus, I pray that, Lord, your spirit would take over in this place tonight. Lord, let us hear your word, Lord. Let us be open, Lord Jesus, to being changed by your word, Lord. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy, Lord. I thank you for your presence that's here. I pray that you'd bind any distraction, Lord. Bind any unbelief or doubt. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and we thank you, Lord. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. My text, you can be seated. My title for tonight uh, is just learning by example. And um, before I jump into that, I want to honor Pastor Urshan. I I believe he's at General Conference this evening and Pastor Sizemore and the entire ministry team. You know, coming up here once per year is um, just about all I can really handle. You know, you seek the Lord for a for a message, then you try and organize it, and then you second guess how it's been organized, and you guys just pray that the Holy Ghost just flows out of me tonight, not me, but I honor our pastor and our ministry team. Um, Just a few announcements related to some children's ministry uh, happenings, since I do have the mic up here, I want to share. October 20th at 7 p.m., that's a Friday night, we're going to have a Section 6 Children's Crusade. Hope that you'd bring friends, family, grandchildren. It's going to be a great time in the Lord. That following day, Saturday, we're going to have an outreach uh, with inflatables and food. Hopefully we can bring uh, families in to experience the love of the Tree of Life Church. And then that Sunday, we'll have our evangelist from Kentucky still here ministering to the kids up in the um, old sanctuary. We also have the Children's Christmas Program, December 10th. Um, If you haven't seen announcements about that, and you want your child to participate, uh, please see the check-in desk for that information. And December the 17th, we're having a winter uh, skate party at Castle Skateland. So we're hopeful that those events can help bring families together and maybe an opportunity to invite families. And you say amen. If you can put that picture up on the slide, up up on the big screen here. Several years ago, there was a a group of scientists that placed five monkeys in a cage. And in the middle of the five monkeys, well, that came out pretty good. In the middle of the five monkeys, there was a ladder with a banana on top. 
And every time one monkey climbed up to grab that banana, water was sprayed upon the other four monkeys. And so with time, tired of being sprayed, it started the trend that when a monkey climbed up the ladder to try and grab that banana, that all the other monkeys would beat that monkey and keep him down from the ladder. After time, they took one monkey out and placed a new monkey into the group with the other four who were existing in that group. And naturally, that monkey climbed up to that banana and was drugged down and beaten. And over time, they took out one monkey after another until there was five monkeys who had never been sprayed with water. But because of the experience with others, they would not climb that ladder out of fear for being beaten by the other monkeys. And so it gives us, you know, kind of a little visual lesson as to maybe the way we feel sometimes in the world, you know, every time we as, uh, uh, aspire to do something to improve, you know, there's others that might pull us down. But really the greater message is that the poor example of the original monkeys passed down generations to others and that one, that poor information that only hindered the original monkeys was now affecting all those who came after them. And so we want to look to the scripture as Paul uh, declared in 1 Corinthians that we don't want to ignore what's been written for us. And so if we look to the scriptures, we see kind of a poor example with the children of Israel. It said many of them God was not well pleased and they were overthrown in the wilderness. But as we look at the story, each of them had the blood applied to the doorpost of their home during the Passover. Each of them crossed the Red Sea. Each of them followed the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. So Paul writes, you know, they've all been baptized unto Moses and it's a type and a shadow of God's plan for us. You know, the deliverance from bondage or Egypt, you know, followed by crossing into the water and into the fire. But the destination was the promised land. And, you know, if we look, a lot of times um, we struggle. It's not me, is it? Okay. Um, a lot of times we see, um, even in church, you know, we'll have people come and they'll be baptized. Um, they'll be filled with the Holy Ghost. Um, but several months later, they're, they're, they're no longer here with us. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's a problem with maybe the pattern in which we're presenting um, the gospel. You know, they went from deliverance to salvation to the Levitical laws of how to live. And a lot of times we want to kind of jump right to the Levitical laws on some folks and maybe not get them delivered um, and, and, and into salvation. So we want to be cautious of that. But, but the plan of the Lord was to take them out of bondage and into promise. And there were five promises that came along with the promised land. Um, we present them to the kids as the five Ps, but these are the things that God had promised about the promised land. He told Joshua, he said in verse five, he said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. So his presence is a promise for us. Uh, his power in verse five, it also said, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. That's his presence and his power. Verse 7 said, be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it from the right or from the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. So that was his providence. 
Verse 3 talked about his provision. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses, and his protection. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And so early on, um, you know, just to to lay the groundwork, um, if you're here tonight, the destination that the Lord has for you is this promise, this promised land, this covenant. The promised land isn't uh, heaven because we know that they fought giants in the promised land. Uh, They had different trials and struggles. But God wants to take us from deliverance out of the world and into the promise and covenant um, in the promised land. But as we look to the example of the Israelites, they came out, and most of us know the story of the 12 spies that were sent in to, to, to look at the promised land. And God gave the instruction to Moses. He said, go see the land I have given unto you. And um, that sounds like it was already given unto him. But Moses kind of changed things around a little bit. He said, go see if the land is good, if the people are strong or weak, and if they have guarded cities. So what was supposed to be a simple like here, you, this is the promise for you turned into like, go see, you know, whether, whether maybe the promise of God is accurate or if we might need to prepare some things on our own. And um, so 10 spies come back and the, and the report of the people in Numbers 13, 29 says, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of the Jordan. And they decided in themselves, like, we can't go against this this set of people. But again, if we're we're looking at the example, they had a promise from God in in Exodus 33. And three, it said, I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanites, and the Amorites, and the Hittites, and the Pezites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So it wasn't even going to be a battle that they were going to fight. God had already promised to send an angel before them. But a lack of faith and a, and a maybe um, a lackadaisical remembrance of the scriptures. You know, occasionally we get away from reading this thing and maybe forget some of the promises that are enclosed in that word of God. But they, were un, they, they, they lacked faith, and so they had to wander in the wilderness um, for 40 years. And the struggles continued. Um, you know, the Israelites, they had supernatural provision. They were hungry, and we know that manna fell from heaven. Uh, They were thirsty, and so, as 1 Corinthians tells us, there was a rock that Moses struck once, and water flowed, and and that rock followed them. And, and, you know, in my mind, we always picture kind of a speaker-sized rock, but, you know, to to give enough water in the desert for two million-plus people, I think that that was kind of a a greater uh, stature of rock, maybe a mountain that was following them, uh, which is really incredible. But we see from the stories of the children of, in, in the wilderness that they continued to murmur, they continued to complain, they continued to be critical of leadership with Moses and Aaron. And as we go through these things, you know, hopefully there's circumspection that takes place. You know, we look into our own spirits as to how we can learn from this. Um, you know, I mentioned it before, there's a lot of times when, when uh, pastoral um, decisions are made and maybe there's some uh, critical spirit that raises up. I know that's happened to me in the past. I've had to repent of it. But they murmured, they complained, they were critical of leadership. And yet still God continued to be with them. Um, 
they still had some victories in the wilderness. And so some people, you know, get by victory to victory. Um, one, one great story uh, is of Balaam and, and Balak. Um, Balak has just seen Israel destroy Og, um, the king of Bashan, and he sets out to hire a prophet named Balaam. And uh, Balaam won't go the first time. He says, no, God told me not to go. And Balak then sends uh, a great treasure of uh, financial um, um, resources. And and Balaam decides, okay, well, I will go. And uh, most of us know the story, but as he's traveling on the road, his donkey stops. And and Balaam ends up uh, beating his donkey. But what he doesn't realize until the Lord opens his eyes is that the donkey speaks to him and says, there's an angel standing in the way with a sword drawn. Um, and so um, he continues on and, and Balak gives him the money and he says, I want you to curse the, the children of Israel. And uh, Balaam seeks God and, and he, he wants to curse them, but God says, no, you have to bless them. And so a blessing comes out of his mouth and it happens three times um, that, that Balaam goes to the Lord with the intention of trying to uh, curse the children of Israel, and we see uh, later in the story it says, and he, this is Balaam, he took up his parable and he said, rise up, Balak, and hear, hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall it not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord, his God, is with him, and a shout of the king is among them. And so, um, looking at this, you know, this admonition or this um, gentle reminder to look to the children of the wilderness, we see that, um, you know, even when we're struggling, God is, is looking to still bless us. Even when, when the enemy wants to curse us, the Lord can silence the mouth of our adversary. And it's just a great promise, um, you know, that, that we see in the scripture and a great example that's there with the children of Israel. But Israel still faltered. Numbers 31 tells us that Balaam told Balak, you know, this army's too great. I can't curse them. But if you send down some women into the camp, um, you know, the Israelites, that would probably be a stumbling block that turns them to idolatry. And so, the um, Midianite women go into the camp and uh, the children of Israel fall into perversion and idolatry. It gets so bad at one point that a Midianite man uh, takes a, a, or I'm sorry, a Midianite woman goes into the temple with an Israelite man and uh, commits some perversion. And um, it's the Eleazar's son that, that stabs them with a, with a staff. And that pleases the Lord. And that takes them out of, the, of their... Uh, time in the wilderness. But, but it's just a, an example for us of how we shouldn't be living. Um, you know, idolatry, sports, entertainment, finances, um, you know, perversions and lust, you know, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, um, murmuring, complaining, not ever being thankful or grateful uh, for the things the Lord's blessed us. And that's kind of... Um, you know, what, what Paul's showing us in this example of the children in the wilderness. We see another uh, example of, uh, of poor, poor uh, behavior, how we don't want to live, and it's recorded in Ezekiel 
16 and 49, it says, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride. Fullness of bread and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. And if we stop right there, um, you know, pride, fullness of, of bread. In one scripture it says they had made their bellies their God. Um, and idleness. And, um, you know, it's convicting because in the culture we live in, uh, I heard one missionary say, you know, God wakes up people at night to pray, and instead of seeking him for direction in prayer, they grab their smartphones and they scroll for hours now. You know, it's an idleness, it's a laziness that, that has kind of captivated us uh, in a society and even into the church. And, and um, you know, there's just great conviction in that we're not caring for the poor, the needy anymore. He goes on to say, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. They were haughty, they committed abomination before me, therefore I took them away as I saw good. And so, you know, this issue of the poor and needy, um, you know, we see a lot written throughout the scriptures. Proverbs 21:13 says, whoso stoppeth his ear at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but not be heard. So it's like, you know, we walk by the poor and, um, you know, just too busy on our day. And, and, and then we want to go and cry out to the Lord. And, and it's telling us, you're, you know, you won't be heard. Proverbs 28 and 27 says, he that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. First John 3 and 17 says, but whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need, and shut up his bowels of compassion for him, how dwelleth the love of God in him. Proverbs 14 and 31, he that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker, but he that honoreth him hath mercy on the poor. Proverbs 29 and 7, the righteous considereth the cause of the poor, but the wicked regardeth not to know it. Proverbs 14 and 21, he that despiseth his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So why is it that we struggle? You know, we have so much written in Scripture um, that talks about the poor and the needy, and we see that Sodom had turned their back on it. And, and I would venture to say, you know, many of us, too, you know, we, we, have, we have financial... Um, desires, 401ks and Roth IRAs and, you know, want the latest and greatest. And, and we walk by the poor with, with, with the scriptures giving us such a, a, a warning about it. You know, we, we look and, and we struggle to fill a pantry, you know, for, for single moms and those in needs. Um, you know, we didn't quite have the offering we did for, for Strides for Life this year. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, this is, this is, it's conviction upon me. Don't take it as condemnation on anyone else. But, but, but what are we doing as a church um, th that we have the poor all around us and, um, and we're just too consumed with the philosophies of man or, you know, our own desires uh, of accomplishment that we can't, um, you know, reach down and care for the poor and the needy, the widow and the orphan. And I was kind of asking myself the question this week and, and how the Lord does. He, he kind of gave me an object lesson as I was trying to instruct in love with my children. You know, fathers, that's easy to just instruct in love. 
Um, but, but I was dealing with one of my kids and, and they wanted to spend, you know, some money and they didn't understand why we couldn't spend it. And, um, and I tried to explain to them, I, I said, you know, well, well, one, to make that amount of money, you know, it didn't just show up. You know, it was years of commitment uh, to learning. It was, you know, phone calls, emails, it was demos, it was, you know, this and that. And, and that was to make the money. And then, and then a percentage of it went to taxes and, and a percentage went to tithes and offerings. And so, you know, when we're left with you wanting to spend money on something that's irrelevant, you know, you, you, the reason it's irrelevant to you is because you didn't have to put in any work for it. There was no sacrifice on your part. And the Lord just kind of like, you know, right away said, yeah, that's the reason. That's the reason that you have such a hard time caring for the poor and the needy. You know, you didn't invest your life. You didn't come in the flesh. You didn't make yourself of no reputation. You didn't take upon the form of a servant. You didn't take upon yourself the shame of sin. And, um, and, and it kind of just, it hit home for me that it, 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 we're not invested. We're not invested in it. And, and it. and it needs to change in our hearts. It needs to change in our minds. It's got to be a work of the Holy Ghost. But our struggle, obviously, is our flesh. Galatians 5, Galatians 5 and 19 tells us that when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And, um, and so, you know, we have in the scriptures this admonition, and I mentioned before that that's just, I looked it up, what admonition really meant. It, it was a gentle reminder. It was a gentle reminder from Paul that you need to inspect yourself and compare it against the example that was in the scripture. Lack of faith, murmuring, ungratefulness, uh, questioning of leadership, fornication, lust, selfish ambition, all the things that, um, that, that, that the Lord's telling us tonight that we need to kind of examine if we want to inherit the kingdom of God. And I know, um, you know, the, the enemy can't pluck us out of God's hand. I, I heard one person say, but we can jump out. And, um, you know, we, we just, we, we have this, when we, when we have a love for God and, and he puts a love for people in us, you know, it's going to change um, the, way we, the way we act and the way we uh, steward our money and our time. But returning to the text, I want to look at verse 11. It said, now all these things happen to them as an example written for admonition upon whom the ends of the world have come. And so, you know, I, like many, feel like, you know, it seems to me that, you know, even though we don't know the exact time or the hour, the seasons are pretty apparent that, that, that maybe we are that generation to which the end of the world shall come. So, so we want to take a, a special note of how the Lord wants us to live. And so as the tree of life for the healing of the nations, you know, what are some good examples if we're, if we're looking to follow an example? And the obvious one is Christ. Um, you know, again, I love the scripture where it said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. You know, there was one time I was praying 
And I said, oh, God, you must have been so ashamed, naked before your creation, spit on, bruised. And, and he just spoke to me. He said, it, was, it doesn't say I was ashamed. He said, I, I went with joy to save you. I wasn't ashamed of that. The shame that he despised was the, sh- the sin that he had to become. You know, when you sin and you get caught by mom or you sin and your wife, you know, catches you, that sin when you stand before a judge or you stand, you know, and look at the people you hurt, that was the sin that he became, the, the, the fornicator, the adulterer, the, 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 the child molester, you know, the, the robber. Uh, he became that sin for us. And so, you know, we, we looked to his life and he washed the feet of sinners. You know, he found the woman at the well who had been rejected. You know, a lot of times we think she just, you know, moved on from husband to husband. But back in that culture, you know, if a husband grew out of love with you, you know, he put on a few pounds, you know, he could kind of set you off to the side and find a new one. So we don't know the, the, the history of this woman, but, but based on what the Lord says in terms of, you know, uh, I accept you. You know, he came with a message that, you know, you've been rejected so many times, but, but I'm here and I'm telling you that I accept you. And, and you know, he, he hung out with the sinners and the sick. And, and, and it tells us in Philippians 2, it says, if there be therefore any constellation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, he says, fulfill my joy that she be like-minded having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than themselves. Look not every man to his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And a lot of times we apply this mind in Christ Jesus to what follows where it says, he, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in the fashion of man, humbled himself and became obedient unto death. But I believe that this, the passage before is the mind of Christ also. Let us not look after our own things, but every man after the things of others. It, 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 we hear it all the time, you know, if you... If you if you look out for the needs of others, God will look out for your, for your needs. And um, I've shared this story before, I think, but, but you know, God, God's made that, um, well, he's not a man that could lie. He, he's proven himself in that. There was one time we were going through a financial situation, and it's like four in the morning, and I'm driving through the backwoods in Morrow somewhere, and I'm praying, and I'm telling the Lord, like, yeah, we need you to come through on this and that. And he just said, he's like, um, you know, how about if you take somebody else's needs to me this morning? And um, I prayed for somebody else that he put on my heart for their finances. And, and it was incredible. I got a text. I just texted him, I, you know, once it was a reasonable time. I said, hey, bro, don't know what you're going through. The Lord put you on my heart. I prayed for you, prayed for your finances. He texted me back. He said, this morning I woke up with an eviction notice on my apartment door. And our family has to leave within a week. And I'm like, oh, well listen, God had me pray for you. I believe he's going to do something. And I got a text later that day. He said, I went to the office and, and the, the lady said that somebody has paid off the last two months of our rent and we're going to be able to stay. And I was just like, but it was, but it was the, the looking after others' needs and not just our own always. 
that the Lord wanted to show me. And, and I, I, I wish I had pastor stories. I got to just tell first person stories because they're the only ones I know, unless a kid testifies down there in Sunday school. But um, there was another time um, we were new in church and uh, I had met a, an electrician up here from Houston and, um, and I exchanged numbers. He said he came once per year. I think this is the first like six months. We're still over at Montgomery Road. And I get a text from him um, later on. And this was maybe just a couple of weeks after this. No, it was another time the Lord had asked me to intervene for somebody and the, and the Lord did, did something incredible for them. But this guy texts me, he says, hey, praying for your wife. I'm like, I don't know you. <laughs> you know, pray for your own wife, buddy. <laughs> but, um, but, um, but the Lord had used me to intercede for a young person when I was in a hotel in New Jersey. And, um, and, and then my wife started having these tumor symptoms. And, um, you know, there were CT scans. There was, you know, she was blacking out while driving, stayed in bed for months. It, it got really bad. And um, at some point in that, um, you know, the Lord just reminded me, like, you know, you, you pray for others. I'll have others praying for you. And that was what he had put on that man's heart in Houston. And um, so, so I'm admonishing us to look beyond our own needs, to, to look to the needs the other, of others. You know, pray, pray for others, uh, not just focusing on ours. But what does God want from the tree of life? Isaiah 58 and 6 says, Is it not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? How many of us are bringing those homeless into our house? Um, when thou seest the naked, that thou would cover them, and when thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh, then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. So the Lord's giving us uh, instruction. Um, you know, he tells, he tells them, you know, when I was naked, you, you, you didn't clothe me. And when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. And when I was in, when I was in the jail, you never visited me. And, and people asked and said, you know, when, were, when did these things occur? And he said, that which you did unto the least of me, uh, unto the least of these you did unto me. And, um, you know, th that's what the tree of life needs to be about. We need to be about the poor, the hungry. We need to be about the widow and the orphan. James 1 and 27 tells us pure religion and undefiled before God and his father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows and their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. And so again, and I thank God, you know, the nursing home ministries, uh, Brother Diley's um, Kingdom Sober Living ministry, um, you know, the, the, the pantry and, and working with um, Life Forward. These are fantastic things. But as individuals, um, I know that daily we walk by situations and circumstances where just the compassion of the Lord could change somebody's life. And just the, the, 
I mean, how shocking would it be for this world to encounter people who cared more about them than themselves? I remember somebody saying that, that when, when people come, they're not looking for a buried savior. They're looking for an empty tomb and they're looking for a, a nail-scarred hand. You know, we need to be the nail-scarred hand that's going in and, and reaching people and caring for people and sacrificing more for people. Paul tells us 1 Corinthians 10 at the end of the, of the chapter we read, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many that, may, that they may be saved. And so Paul, Paul later writes throughout 1 Corinthians, he, you know, he talks about don't be a stumbling block. You know, when I'm talking about sacrificing, we were talking to the kids about Jesus washing the feet of the disciples and saying, you know, now you go and do the same. You know, washing the feet of somebody isn't always taking a towel and a, and, and a, and a bucket. You know, sometimes it's letting somebody else despitefully use you, you know, letting somebody else mock you and still praying for them. Paul tells us, don't be a stumbling block to others. You know, if, if it's, if it's uh, something that, that they don't like, then, then just don't do it. Don't, don't be about it around them. You know, don't, don't, Paul said in one place that I could be right in every discussion. I could win every argument, but it's going to be unprofitable because nobody would be saved in that situation. So he said, I become all things to all men that some might be saved. He's asking us, don't be a stumbling block. You know, be humble, be a servant. Don't, this world's philosophy of like, nobody's going to, nobody's going to hold me down. Nobody's going to do that to me. You know, nobody's going to do that to my kid. It, it's, it's, a, it's a philosophy of man that, that's not of God. It's not of Christ. So let's not be stumbling blocks to others. He, Paul talked about being one body. You know, the, the, the ability, you know, the, the Bible says, you know, can a hand, you know, despise the eye? Um, you know, we're one body here. Um, there's... And no church is perfect, I know that, but I'm thankful for the tree of life. I mean, there are men's prayer on Saturday morning. If you came for a month, I mean, the stories and the testimonies and, and the love between men, um, you know, we're one body. I, I, I wouldn't ask people to show a raise of hands, but, but, you know, just being involved, you know, when possible in the benevolence fund and being able to help families in need financially. I, I mean, it happens and it's, it's amazing the sacrifice of, of some people. And, and I want you to know that that's the way the tree of life is. It, don't come in and out and struggle. You know, I, I'm not a social person. I think most people know that about me. Uh, I'm like Brother Joe, you know. If you want to have a meeting after 8 p.m., you know, don't include me. If you're at my house after like about 8.39, I'll be upstairs. You know, God bless you. Good to see you. And, and if you don't get approached, you know, it's okay. Um, you know, my wife cares more, but, you know, you, you don't get invited to everything. You don't get invited all the time to stuff. You know, not everybody's asking you to go to lunch. But it's okay. We're, we're one body. And if you're, in a, if you're in a struggle, you know, find a brother or sister and, and, and let us carry each other through it. You know, let the strong lift up the weak. Paul said, don't be puffed up. Don't just hang out with those that you think are going to help you and make you look great, you know. Don't just invite the popular people to the banquet. 
Um, he mentioned doing things decently and in order and using the gifts of the Spirit for the body. And so we have all these things that we're admonished to do. And, and I think tonight, just on a Wednesday Bible study, you know, I, I just want to, again, in, encourage us tonight to, to kind of look at ourselves and think about, you know, how we're living. Are we making sacrifices that benefit others? Are we so consumed with sporting events? And please, this isn't condemnation again. I mean, we got more soccer games on the schedule than I know what to do with. But, but what are we, 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 you make time for what's most important for you. And so I'm admonishing us tonight, let, let's come again to put things of God first. Let's sacrifice our time. I, my brother, um, he was selling wine through COVID. He had, some, he had some great years. I mean, people were drinking wine through COVID like never before. And his wife worked at Cisco, an IT company. And so everybody was moving out of the office and needing secure internet at home. And so they just had phenomenal uh, season financially. And I'm, the whole time I'm praying, Lord, let this be the thing that pushes them closer to you. <laughs> Pray for them. But, um, but they, you know, they had a great season, and they built a lake house down at, um, down at Norris Lake. And it's great. You know, we go once a year, and it's a great time to, to hang out with them. But, but um, you know, when I drive on this property... And I think about the marriages that, that can be restored. And when I think about the broken hearts that the Lord wants to bind up, and when I think about the, the bruise that he wants to set at liberty, you know, we, we're making the right investment. You know, we didn't get a boat or a lake house, but, but you know, we, we're, we're setting our treasures up in heaven. And so I, I want to share some good examples, some good examples from the... That, that, that I've experienced and um, some good examples that are Christ-like to maybe put some things into perspective because they say you're the average of the 10 people you're around the most. And um, so, so some, some examples, you know, Terry Williams, um, Brother Bubba, <laughs> Brother Terry, didn't know him for a long time, but you know, when I came to the church, you know, Moeller High School, proud, Catholic, alcoholic, proud, destroying his marriage. Um, Terry Williams was he, was, he was an outstretched arm. He was a strong hand. And, um, you know, would invite us out all the time and share his stories and his jokes. <laughs> his jokes. I should have told one. That would have been great. Um, but, but there's, there's stories of Terry Williams and Linda Williams, you know, raising, raising Donnie and, and having their last $20 and giving it, you know, to others in the church and just sacrificing year after year, year after year sacrificing. And, and there was never, I never sensed a, a single desire to have the things of this world from Brother Terry you know, he was content in serving the Lord. And he would always say, you know, good times are bad. Serving the Lord's the best, 
Serving the Lord's the best way to live, no matter any way you look at it. It's one of his sayings, something like that. But the point was, in highs and lows, it was just serving the Lord. It was just caring for people. It was just being friendly. It was staying connected to the backslider. It was reaching out to the family members that, that were struggling. It was just being a constant rock for others. And I think about Bishop Bowler and... Um, you know, for many, you know, a pastor hanging out with the youth group as frequently as he did, you know, and taking kids on the boat and, um, you know, just living a life, you know, there was hardships, there was, there was betrayals, there was probably times he wanted to quit, but he remained steadfast and he loved people and he welcomed people and he cared for people. I think about brother and sister Wolfangle. Um, you know, I didn't know them for a long time, but, but, but the stories are numerous of, of the financial things that they would do, you know, having kids over and feeding them and, and, and committing things. And, you know, I don't know about brother and sister Wolfang. I don't know if they left properties and, you know, real estate to their grandkids or, or, or things like that. But, but I know that whether they did or they didn't right now, they're sitting, you know, in the presence of the Lord. And, and I'm, I can tell you, they would do not regret a single moment that they committed to serving the Lord, to giving to others, to, to helping others. And I'm closing. It's 7.59. I don't know if there's, we still have singers. If not, I'll sing a song for us and we'll really close out. <laughs> Brother Kilgore, uh, James Kilgore's father, um, you know, his son would tell stories of him traveling up and down the highway and the car breaking down, not having gas, um, you know, never had anything. And I've heard, I've heard pastors say, you know, you know the, the problem with that generation was, you know, they, they, they didn't really plan the way they should have, you know, for their retirement. And so they had to kind of serve and preach and preach out until they died. And and, you know, I, I just, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, could, could you tell that to, to Brother Kilgore? You know, if you go down to Texas, there's hundreds and thousands of families that were brought to the Lord because a man did not care about a retirement plan. He didn't tear one barn down and build another. He didn't care if he drove a new car he didn't care if he got invited to the, you know, the, the pastor's club, you know. And, 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 but there's a statue down there. I don't, I don't know if he, allowed, if he let them build a statue or not. But, but there's a memorial down there to, to the way he loved people and the way he cared for people and the things that he sacrificed so that others might be saved. And this, the last story I'll share um, I don't, is Jesse Artis here? I don't know if he's here or not. Jesse Artis, um, from the moment I met him and started talking to him, he would always talk to me about when I get my retirement, when I get my retirement from driving the bus, when I get my retirement. You know, he was going to buy, he was going to put a down payment on a house. You know, he was going to have a little more freedom than he has. And when I get my retirement. And, and if you don't know Brother Jesse, he, he, he does not live. Um, I think he, he has some assistance. But, 
but he was always talking about his retirement. And, um, and he hit that age where his retirement came in the middle of, of, of the Ready Now campaign. And um, so I'm talking to Jesse. He's like, I don't know. I think the Lord wants me to give me the whole thing, give him the whole thing. And, and I know what some people would think, like, oh, you know, you got to use wisdom. You know, you, you got to plan for tomorrow. Live like he's coming tomorrow, but save. And I don't know what the saying is. <laughs> but, but Jesse gave that whole amount uh, to the Ready Now campaign. And, 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 you know, if you talk to Jesse, it's always the Lord said this and the Lord told me to do that. And, and, and as I look to an example you know, some might look at Brother Jesse and be like, you know, this guy's pizza habits are getting to him. But, you know, I, I think if you ask Brother Jamie or, or Brother Dan Diley, you know, if, if what Jesse Artis was doing for the Lord was meaningful, Amen. you know, I think that they would testify that, that, that you know, one man's sacrifice, right. one man's willingness to be close to God and to look different and to maybe approach somebody. You know, he said, oh, I was afraid to approach Dan because I could get fired. You know, the Diley family was big and then, you know, but, but, but he, he was willing to, to just do what the Lord said. And, um, and, and so the Diley family is here tonight. And, and I just, you know, when, when we, when you try and raise kids in this world, there's not, <laughs> there's not a great set of examples out there. Um, you know, whether it be media or TV, I'm thankful for the occasional athlete who, who does seem to be pretty committed to the Lord and giving the Lord glory. But I'm, I'm committed to raise my kids here and to help raise others' kids here. And um, you can stand with me. I want the kids of the Tree of Life not to remember, you know, the gossip or the conflict or the church split. I want them to, to be here, you know, when they're 40 and say like, man, do you remember when, do you remember when brother so-and-so, you know, gave that car to whoever it was? I want to live, I want to be a doer of the word and not just somebody who hears it and knows it. T.F. Tenney, in his famous apostolic attitudes message, he said, we've got the doctrine. We've got the doctrine. He said, but we don't have the apostolic demonstration. The apostles were not about, they were not about, they, were, they, they wanted to turn the world upside down. I won't call out stuff, but but they wanted to, they, they, they had a message that saved. And they didn't just keep it to themselves. And they weren't willing, they weren't willing to be 
intimidated. They weren't willing to, to, to let their doubt overwhelm what the Lord had called them to do. And I want the tree of life to be like that. You know, I, I, I just, I, I want to be personally somebody that the Lord can say, you know, give it all and have confidence that his promises that I don't have to give thought for the morrow are true. And I'm not at that place, I'll just tell you. If the Lord said give it all, it'd be, I don't know, it, my flesh would be a bigger argument than my wife, I think. But, but, but can we strive for that? Can we strive to be a church body who fills pantries and, and fosters children and adopts children? And can, can we be a church that's willing to sacrifice, you know, a few espressos, you know, to take somebody else out to lunch? You know, can we be a church body that's willing to, you know, skip a Bengals game if it means, you know, taking a new family out? As I sought the Lord this week, you know, for, for something that, that I just, I, I didn't want to share something that was for me. I, I wanted something that helped take us. We, we, we're the people at the end of time. And um, I don't have family that's in the church. I don't have friends that are in the church. Um, But it's his will that none would perish and that all would come to repentance. And I think all this world needs is a church that looks at the example of the scripture and says, I'm going to be a doer of what the Lord wants me to do and has instructed us. I'm going to give radically. I'm going to serve. I'm going to love. I'm going to care for. I'm going to forgive. Let us decrease that he would increase. Brother Dave, you're, I told you, a great example. A man who just made a decision that changed a generation of, of people to come. I don't want to be like the monkeys. I don't want to be like the monkeys sharing my doubt. Oh, you think the Lord said to go there? That's too dangerous for you and your family. You know, that's what we'll do sometimes. We'll... we'll People will hear from the Lord and we'll share our doubts and our unbelief with them. But let's come to the altar tonight as, as the worship singers lead us. Let's thank the Lord for his goodness and mercy. I, I want to ask the Lord to, to just be different. Um, I want to I care more for others than I do for myself. That's a challenging concept for us. But I believe with the Holy Ghost we can do it. Thank you all. I love you. Let's pray together.
so you can you come on say it one more time I give myself away hallelujah yes I do Thank you, Brother Mark Purdy, for that incredible word tonight. Amen. My goal, amen. My prayer, Brother Mark, and your prayer tonight ought to be, Lord, make me more like you. Lord, I want to follow your example. Amen. Because when we strive to be like him, mm, when we strive to be like him, that's what I want for me. That's what I want for you. That's what, I, that's what I want for the Tree of Life Church. Amen. If you're thankful for the word of the Lord tonight, amen. Why don't you lift your hands with me one more time. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Lord, for the presence that we feel in this place. I thank you, Lord, for the word that has come forth tonight. God, it is quick, it is sharp, it is powerful. God, even more than any two-edged sword, God, let it pierce asunder right now. God, let it get down on the inside of me, God. Let it get down to the joint and the marrow. Let it rightly divide my intentions, oh God. Lord, I thank you for it now. God, I pray that we would be more like you. God, that we would learn by example. God, be with us as we leave this place tonight. God, let us be your hands and feet in the earth this week. God, bring us back at the next appointed time. We love you and thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Shake hands with somebody. Love on somebody. Amen. Have a great week in Jesus' name. We'll see you Sunday morning at 11 a.m. God bless you in the name of the Lord.